Welcome to the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. How are you guys doing? I'm Greg Tito. I'm Trevor Kidd. Hi, Trevor. Hi, Greg. I haven't seen you on the podcast in a little while. I know it's been a while. I hate you all. Yeah. No, no. I've just been busy with packs and other things after that. So. Yeah. It was a, it was a crazy time. It was. That September, October 2015 time. Yeah. And then the recording this today, we have the release of Sword Coast Legends today. So That's amazing. We're still busy, and I'm sure by now it, it's, it's, it's doing awesomely. It's doing awesomely today, so it will probably continue to do awesomely by the time yeah. people hear this. Absolutely. Check it out. Yeah. Um, go, go pick it up. Stream it. Stream it. <laughs> we'll tell people Tweet about, about it. Make it a thing. Make it a thing. Make some some awesome uh, dungeons and uh, some some campaigns to create. It's good stuff. Yeah, I want to do some stuff where we focus on on you know fan created stuff. Oh but yeah, but we'll talk more about that. There's know. so much more. Yeah, yeah, out there. Yeah. But today we're talking to uh, Jared Logan, uh, who is a writer for the James Corden show, uh, the Late Late Show uh, with James Corden. Uh, he took over for for Craig Ferguson. For those of you guys are down with the American Late Show stuff that's happening. Uh, I believe it's on CBS. So when he took over Craig Ferguson, did they leave the talking skeleton guy there on the show? I don't believe... I think he took it with him. Uh, I know. That makes sense. Right? I know. That's crazy. But uh, Jared is a longtime Dungeons & Dragons player and a dungeon master, uh, so I'm excited to talk to him. Uh, He's also a stand-up comedian, uh, so I have some, some... Specific questions to ask him about stand-up comedianing. Have we ever talked to the to the podcast crew about your stand-up comedianing? I don't. I I I, th- I feel like it's been mentioned. I, I did it once. I did it. Well, I did it for like three years in New York I did it City. once for three years. Yes, <laughs> I did it once, and I, I gave it up for Lent and never went back. <laughs> Nice. It's one of those things. Uh, I get the itch every once in a while, though, mm-hmm. to to pick it back up again. I'm sure I'll talk to uh, to to Jared and be like, so. Should I have given up? Should I have kept doing it? Well, the answer, from for every, every time I, I hear a comedian get asked that question, the answer is yes. Give it up. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Less competition for them, yeah, I guess. Don't compete with me, one, and it's super freaking hard already. <laughs> nice, but uh, before we get to our guest, uh, there's some housekeeping stuff I want to talk to you guys about. Uh, the iTunes vehicle where we uh, uh, put up this podcast. <laughs> the iTunes thingamabob. Is a great thing, uh, but we want to get some more activity on our act- iTunes thing. So please, if you like listening to us ramble on about Dungeons and & Dragons and or laugh uncontrollably or you like Shelly's impressions of Sesame Street characters, please give us a rating. Uh, <laughs> see, yeah, we've all learned it now. <laughs> yeah. Give us a rating on iTunes. Give us a review. Let us know what you think. Uh, it, that just helps us get more and more attention on the podcast and uh, brings it back up in the in, in the rankings of the iTunes, uh, which really helps us out. And then yeah. of course, um, if, if there's anything you want us to talk about or uh, any guests you want us to have on, you think it would be cool, also leave those in the comments because we love seeing that stuff too. Absolutely. Uh, and a good place to get in touch with us there too is on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Greg Tito. Trevor is... At Trevor underscore Watsy. That's W-O-T-C. And then of course... The, the combined three-headed dog of us also does uh, the official account. Which is uh, wizards underscore D&D. Right. So feel free to message on any one of those three Twitter accounts, and we'll talk to you about what's going on in the podcast. And uh, if you have any, like like Trevor said, any good ideas for people to, to, to ask on would be great. We will steal your good ideas for podcasts. I'm we, just saying. We totally will. Yeah. And we'll give you credit where credit is due. Um, like perhaps a sandwich. Yeah. I might, I might be like, some person said this thing. Uh, well, no, we'll probably call you us. <laughs> and we'll give you a magic sword. Sure. A real <laughs> magic sword that we've been able to create here in the research and development team at Wizards of the Coast. So that's that's a promise that Greg Tito is making. So uh, <laughs> you, can hit, you can hit him up on that one when you And if you don't sword. get that promise, uh, you can also talk to my mom. Yeah. It's, a, it's an invisible ethereal magical sword, so good luck, people. It may be sentient. <laughs> 
and it also could have snarkiness going on. It may be my voice yeah, actually just, talking to you. It just sounds like recorded Greg Tito at this point. In fact, actually, just a special episode of the podcast that plays <laughs> whenever you touch the magic sword. It's an app. It's you an app. You need to make this app. There's an the app Greg Tito magic sword. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to take a, a, a quick thing and get our guest on board. Um, but let's pause for one second because I'm going to change this chair. Oh, yeah. Because it's making this sound. It's the best. He's, he's not having sex with a chair, people, I promise. It's not. I don't want that happening. I hope, I hope all this actually gets kept in the podcast. That'll Please be great. Do. This one's <laughs> oh, much better. Much better. <laughs> Ryan's giving me the thumbs up. That means I'm embarrassing him. I have to rock my chair. No, I'm fine. Okay, you're good. Okay. You're good. Whew. See, the crazy things that go on on podcasts that people just don't know. Most podcast people wouldn't even talk about that, but we like to make it a point <laughs> to, to bring up all of the weird and awkward things. Now we're cutting all this. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the unmentionable. I can't believe you did that. I, I, I do things like that. All right, cool. Well, let's give a call to uh, Jared. Hello. Hey, Jared. How are you? It's Greg. Hey, Greg. Good talking to you. Good talking to you, too. I'm joined here by Trevor Kidd. Oh, man. I wanted to surprise him and be like, boo or something. And, oh, like, you scare the crap out of him. It but... is like Halloween. It's totally the time yeah. to do that. Yeah, too late. Ah! <laughs> Sweet. Thanks, Jared. I appreciate it. Thank you for acting scared. You scared me. <laughs> I get that a lot. See, you're you're a good actor. That's, that's totally <laughs> believable over the phone. Yeah. yeah. I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I, I was listening to uh, you talk about dungeon mastering, and I was like, there's a guy I need to, to, to talk to. Yeah. Uh, excellent. You heard me on the Indoor Kids? Uh, actually, no, I didn't realize you were on the Indoor Kids. No, but I heard you on uh, Mike Drucker's podcast. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I also talked about some uh, DMing on the Indoor Kids as well, yeah. Oh, nice. I, I subscribe to, to Kamel's The Indoor Kids as well, so I just haven't got that episode come up yet. But I'm yeah, also... I- Way behind on his X Files Files podcast too. Oh, so. the X Files Files are the best. You might hear me on there as well. <laughs> I'm a really popular podcast it's guest. It's one of my talents. Prolific over here. It's one. Of, it's your special skills and your on your resume, right? That's right. Nice. So, uh, so yeah, we like to talk to people uh, who who are self proclaimed D and D fans and find out what your D and D origin story is. You know, where did you first? pick it up is it some you know fun story about you know some we've had people who talk talk about kids on the playground who drew them into this magical world we've heard people talk about uh uh uh, being on a roller coaster and being transported into a mystical land and not really understanding what's going on so that's what happened to me (laughs) (laughs) he was one of those guys when i woke up in the magical world i was a buxom warrior woman (laughs) wearing a metal bikini um this seems like a bad idea no, I don't know if I don't know if my origin story is uh, is super unique. Um, I, in fact, I, I might not even be able to pinpoint exactly when I started playing. I think we started with uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons back. I mean, it might have been ninety, ninety one, ninety two, and I remember playing. I, I'm from Morgantown, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I remember playing with my buddy Matt Toth, and of course, we're twelve year olds, so. We did all the usual stuff, like, you know, someone took their character and got drunk, and <laughs> another character had to go to the uh, the um, brothel, of course. <laughs> um, and I, I remember mostly arguing about that, because <laughs> I think I was always the guy that was like, no, the quest! <laughs> we gotta go for the story! The we gotta go save um, the world. And then I got a lot more serious in college, so that was, you know, 98 to, like, 02. 
um, when uh, what third edition 3.5 came out. I was a heavy player at that point and uh, and ran some of the modules for that. Um, but my my greatest uh, dungeon mastering, uh, run was probably when I moved to New York mm-hmm. around 2008 and I ran, uh, a, a fourth edition campaign that went, I think we went to level 13. Nice. Wow. I wish we had gone to 20. <laughs> a lot of moving parts in that edition, if you recall. So yes. we do, we do indeed. And living spaces are very small. So basically my entire room and apartment was sort of dedicated to Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> at the time. Nice. Put, put a table up and like a big battle it's map, on, and that's on all it couch is. And you find a beholder under your uh, stuck in your butt crack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know right away when that happens. You're like, oh, that's that's the disintegration eye stock. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I, based on feel, I'm gonna go beholder or minotaur. Yeah, yeah beholder. Nice. So yeah, uh, I remember those New York apartments fondly, going to their uh, other people's, you know, one room studio apartments and try to get a D and D game in. It's very tough, but but rewarding. Oh, and not owning any furniture. And, having, <laughs> and of course, I had six players, you know. And the yeah. more players oh, you, had- you have, the more, uh, well, let's just say epic it becomes. So I have six people in this tiny space. I'm like building. My friends were literally buying chairs at like flea markets and building tables for me so <laughs> that we could play. It was kind of, We had like a, a table that was built just to play the game. Right. This is a good point, though. If you live in New York or a small area, don't have uh, furniture, invite people over to play D&D, and they will make it for you. That's right. They'll build a table for you. D&D is a gateway. If you run it, they will It's a gateway drug to to carpentry. (laughs) That's... Wait. I think it is. Yeah. (laughs) You learn all these skills. I mean, the farther you go down that path, eventually you become skilled at painting very small figurines yeah, there you go. that's usable in a lot of areas in life i feel like right like uh, uh cake decorating there <laughs> you've thought of one. <laughs> think of one that was that's the one that's all i got yeah you could you could paint no restoration for people art, art restoration, restoration. oh right yeah like the sigourney weaver character in uh, ghostbusters 2 right like exactly you could contact vigo the carpathian with your dungeons and dragons skills oh nice. uh cartography that be you could become a cartographer because that's can all kinds of second life occupations <laughs> google maps hasn't put cartography down or anything like there's still a, a very strong cartography uh a school of thought right that's going on they do okay, but I prefer freehand maps. <laughs> yeah, that's true. In your car, you've got freehand maps? That's what I use. Yeah, I just have a hu- notebooks and folders full of Los Angeles maps. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah, in New York, I mean, I, the best way to play in New York, I find, is to know someone rich. <laughs> that's what I did, anyway. Uh, he had a dungeon master who rented an, an apartment just for playing D&D. What? Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. Well, I'm shaking my head at his, him. His so wife you know, didn't I'm want my head at him. us coming into his like you know four bedroom apartment on the Upper West Side. So uh, a, a a smaller apartment opened up in his building, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll take it. You know, I'll pay two grand a month, so I don't have to worry about my uh, 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 wife complaining about nerds being rolling dice in his room." Yeah, I'm gonna that go. is a story of D and D persecution. <laughs> it was right. So and it he occurs a lot. He was able to overcome. Desirable in that house. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go home and talk to my wife and be like, hey, honey, I really uh, I'm gonna get another like just a whole other building like a mother-in-law house for for our house. Oh, yeah. But it's just gonna be a D and D house. Right. And I want to see what she says. I think she'd be for it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are guys that build gaming rooms. What about a gaming house? Yeah. Nothing wrong Someone's with that. Someone's gonna do about. it. Yeah. 
You My wife to... is actually the opposite. She's the best. She'll actually go, okay, I'm going to leave for a while. You know, she's played as well, but she, she'll just be like, okay, that's your thing. Just so you don't have someone else in the room just kind of staring at you while you're doing it. I'm going to leave for a while. <laughs> yeah, Dungeons and Dragons is a lot like uh, sex. You don't want someone like staring at you while it's going on. It is a private sacred trust between <laughs> player and dungeon master. It's very personal. It's very emotional. Exactly. You need to have you know. all of those, you know, wavelengths going in order to it to be to be meaningful. Yeah. Like uh, I'm 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 a bad actor. I'm just gonna say that having no skills, have, never did it in, in school or anything. So if I had an audience when I was playing D and D, be like, okay, I'm just gonna do nothing. I'm gonna sit here. And... <laughs> yeah. I recently got to be a player. You know, I've, I'm always the dungeon master. I had to be a player for Fifth Edition. We just we just uh, ran a short game, and um, yeah, I find that as the dungeon master, I'm able to do all these different characters and accents and all these different people. But as a player, it's way more fun because you just pick one accent, and then I pick like someone. You know, I, I just kind of pick like one character trait and just play that over and over and over, and it leads <laughs> to all kinds of hilarious uh, disasters. So in this recent uh, character you're talking about, did you have a personality trait that stuck out? Absolutely. I decided I decided to play a paladin, and then I thought it would be real fun. This is how this is how serious I am about this, guys. Keep in mind, I'm I'm a very serious dungeon master. <laughs> I said it'd be real fun if he had like Werner Herzog's voice, <laughs> and then I decided that I would play to the hilt like the most goody goody paladin possible. So um, uh, basically, I'll just like take a bunch of attacks just to get to someone to heal them or whatever. Right. And I took like mostly like healing and stuff like that, and uh, you know, just to do that while also like saying like Werner Herzog philosophical things like <laughs> time creeps up upon us all. <laughs> I, I kept saying shit like that, and uh, you know, the DM thought it was helpful and very unhelpful in certain circumstances to have me um, doing that. Also, I, since I worship the sun, I decided that my character, you know, their country, they don't bury the dead. They put them as close to the sun as possible. So, I don't know, at one point, like, the captain of the guard was like, get rid of these bodies, and I put them all in trees. <laughs> um, this is the sense. kind of silly stuff that we get into in our games. But if you you're stay consistent with it, I think that's what's awesome. Yes. Like, if you could exactly keep, right. if yeah, you you keep up consistent. that burner... Yeah, and I always feel like the main, you know, I don't try to be funny. I just try to play it consistently over and over. But then, it, it, you know, hopefully it leads to laughs because I feel like that's the most important thing about role playing in general is to like laugh really hard with your friends. Right, right. But it doesn't work if you're, you know, yucking it up, making fun of no. the, the game itself, right? You have to, the only way I think you, I think you're you hit it right on the nail because it's like. You have to be as real about it as possible, and that's where the absurdity of it all comes and makes people Absolutely. Laugh. In fact, I would say when I run my games, I, you know, I try to make them real, real dark, real, uh, very serious, but then that, of course, leads to a lot of fun, fun things. Yeah, even though I'm a comedian, I never try to really joke very hard. I just try to play everything really serious, and it ends up being funny. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's actually the, the the new adventure that's out out of the abyss uh, takes place in the underdark. So it's obviously very very dark. Uh, there's a lot of terrible things happening. The evil races battling back and forth. There's demon lords unleashed. But my favorite part about that adventure 
is there's these weird, you know, Alice in Wonderland like characters that bring this brightness to an otherwise completely dark world. And it's that juxtaposition yeah. that works. And there are some crazy, literally crazy NPCs and other things, story, story elements that you bump into. And it's like, again, it's a dark place and stuff, it's crazy. But there are some hilarious things they can do, depending on if the DM runs them correctly or right. runs them a certain way, not that correctly. Right, but, but it wouldn't work if you were playing it up for comedy the yeah, entire yeah. time. Yeah. Like, yeah. But just watching your friends do a little acting, you know, or watching watching your friends commit to a personality type and interpret what their character would do in a bunch of different situations, that's just always funny. Just watching your friends work that out. It's just mm -hmm. like hysterical. Um but, you know, I, of course I do have the friends who kind of, like, play themselves if they were good at stabbing things and wanted all the money in the world. I have a lot of those <laughs> friends. <yeah. laughs> nice. So do you play with a lot of, uh, you know, you're in L.A. now uh, on the James Corden show, correct? Yeah. Do you play with the other writers in the writer's room? Yeah, I play with one of the staff writers uh, with this recent game where, where I was a player. He, he, uh, his name's David Deneen Porter. Uh, and I, you know, I didn't, I, I met the guy and I immediately knew that, uh, he would love playing Dungeons and Dragons and I was right. So I invited him right away. He had played, you know, other games when he was a lot younger, but he'd never really played Dungeons and Dragons and he loved it. He was like a chaotic neutral sorcerer and he was about as amoral as he could possibly be. <laughs> and nice. that's what made him have fun was just being a total jerk that just like, <laughs> If an innocent gets burned by my spell, well, you know. They shouldn't have been in the way. Shouldn't have been in my way, yeah. <laughs> That's fun. Do you, yeah. do you ever try to uh, uh, sneak in more D&D &D heavy jokes into the monologues or anything like that? Good Lord, do I ever. <laughs> Every nerd reference I can. You know, one of my uh, proudest moments of the show was when we, we at least got to do a monologue about um, the, the, the Carolina Lizard Man. What's the Carolina uh, lizard? You know about man? this legend? No. Oh, uh, in North Carolina, uh, in a certain town, they there's like a Bigfoot legend, but it's of a lizard man. Oh my gosh! Um, and it was in the news a couple months ago, a lot. Like uh, people were reporting new sightings and publishing these uh, hilarious photos that looked like they were right out of the monster manual. <laughs> and uh, nice. You know, people were saying it was real again. So we got to do a monologue about that. I mean, anytime I can get it a little nerdy, you know. I, I try to do it, but uh, you know, of course, you're always writing in the voice of of your uh, your host or you know of the show, so you can't always quite get that uh, that you know orb of destruction reference. In there. there you go. <laughs> He's like, I don't even know what that is. How can I say it? Or of course, he would say right. that in a British accent, which makes it all the more intelligent sounding. <laughs> right. <laughs> so does uh, does James Corden doesn't play? Then have you ever tried to invite him? I mean, we'll get, we'll get him into a game eventually. He might not know he's in it at first, you know. <laughs> he, he might think he's sitting down for lunch with me, and then all of a sudden I'll pull out the uh, the screen. Nice, and be like, all right, uh, you know, you can have this sandwich, but first you have to roll a 20-sided tie. Right. <laughs> roll for eating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you failed. You failed. Give me, give me the sandwich bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I, I know I tend to not ambush people with that. I think I think you want people. You know what's funny? My favorite thing when it comes to recruiting players is identifying someone who you know will love it, but who maybe hasn't played before. Mm. Uh, and you know, I look for a couple of tell, telltale signs. You know, what are the signs? 
Well, if they're just making reference to really obscure nerd stuff, I know I've got them. Like, it, you know, <laughs> if someone recommends the Stormlight Archi- Archive by Brandon Sanderson to me, I'm like, have you played D&D? <laughs> <laughs> or even if they're just like talking about the 60s show, The Prisoner or something like that. I'm like, hold on, stop. Do you want to play? This <laughs> right. Let's just cut to the chase. This all this. Yeah. This is just you know witty banter at this point. But let's get let's start playing. D and D four play there. It's like okay. D four so play. Be clear here. You want to play some D and D? Yeah. For me, it's always yeah. when they like drop like Silmarillion quotes or something like that. I'm like, okay, yeah. You know. Wow, Silmarillion quotes. I'm dying to meet someone who just dropped <laughs> those in a conversation. Casual conversation. That's that's pretty common here in the Wizards of the Coast office. Office. There's just random conversations or meetings where someone will talk about uh, uh, Fianor's sons or something like that. And I'm like, oh, all right, nice, cool. I'm glad. That's amazing. I've read some of the Silmarillion, and it always felt like Tolkien Mad Libs to me. It was just like, <laughs> and then Malgaroth did tell Tidwiddle that his sons will bore Thorinar. And you're like, what is happening? <laughs> there, it's got that uh, uh, aesthetic of uh, the Beowulf, old English, you know, uh, tall tales kind of thing. Uh, way more yeah. in, in, than than the actual novels do, that's for sure. I have my Tolkien master theory. Would you guys like to hear it? Sure. This is my all-encompassing Tolkien theory, okay? Okay. Basically, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, and, and by the way, a bunch of Tolkien scholars, probably people you work with will be like, this is bullshit, but this is my theory. <laughs> Screw those, Screw those guys. Screw those guys. Tolkien worked on that world for years and years and years before really publishing any stories about it. Right. And he had a friend come over at some point and the friend saw that Tolkien had like written whole languages and all this stuff. And the friend was like, okay, you got to do something with this now, because if you just keep working on this and don't publish it, you know, it's, it's less of an imaginary world and more of a problem that you have. (laughs) So so Tolkien eventually, you know, of course released, uh, uh, you know, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy and all that. But, you know, the story of The Lord of the Rings is about taking this, like, powerful thing that you're kind of burdened with and taking it into a volcano and throwing it away before it destroys you. And I feel like that's what Tolkien was doing with Middle Earth. He was just <laughs> like, I've been working on this for 20 years. <laughs> I have to take it into Mount Doom and throw it into the fires. And that, um, that wasn't complete until the, the, the movies were done. And then I was like, all right, they're, they're completely destroyed now. <laughs> He finally oh. ascended uh, to the astral plane, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gollum just kind of looks like someone who's just been working on a novel in a basement for 15 or 20 years, you know. I See, I always thought he was more of like a junkie-looking person, but I guess that is also many authors it's as well. It's often the same thing. Well, yeah. I would say I'm not a published author, but sitting down and writing and forgetting that you need to eat is not uncommon. <laughs> That's yeah. true. I, I can definitely vouch for the fact that your hygiene sometimes suffers. <laughs> Because you're like, I don't got to take a shower today. I'm just working on my writing. Which never happens when you're playing D&D. Like, you never forget about hygiene. You're always, you know, eating as much Cheetos as you possibly can. And Dude, I've been, okay, so I've been doing a lot of four-hour sessions because that works best with, like, people with jobs and stuff. And I've kind of, like, you know, perfected the the idea of, like, the four-hour, three-hour session. Yeah. But... I, I, lately I've been getting an itch for those like eight or nine hour sessions where you develop some body odor. I've been really, 
<laughs> I'm craving that. You you build up a sweat. Everything is you know the the room has got like a, a an overall stank about it. Yeah, I understand that. Exactly. Yeah. You 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 know you come into like a troll's lair and you can also realize you smell all of the other players' socks. <laughs> right. It's olfactory senses. You really want to, you know, if, if you are a really good DM, some people play, you know, music in the background. You got to start having those scents, right? That you open up the. I've seen them actually advertised. There was a Kickstarter for this where people were, were saying, like, okay, yeah, open this jar and it'll smell like yep. dank cave. Yep. You're like, all right. Wow. They're, they're also like perfume slash colognes that capture the same kind of thing. Yeah, you're like, this is a, you know, a, a bustling medieval city. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I love that. It's next I, level DMing. I'm totally glad we went from perpetuating the stinky gamer myth, <laughs> which which isn't a myth. There, there there are plenty of them, just not most. I'm of us. I'm saying I am one. <laughs> right. Only when I you do those. Say, only when you do those those eight myself. hour sessions. I stink after a while. Well, I think we all stink after a while. I think it's that's I just, as most of us. I also think remember to shower, but you know. It's true. Yeah, but no, the I the the coolest thing I ever uh, got was uh, uh, something sent to me where I had all these different scents that were that. All you know, all those things, and definitely it brings you back into, and it creates like a, a thing in your imagination way more than uh, you know merely describing it or anything. The like HBO that. Game of Thrones thing, yeah, right, yeah, it was pretty bad. I definitely try to use music, but that's always like you know I've spent hours on my on my maps and my adventure. I like to create my own a lot of the time, and uh, yeah, and I've, I've done all this work. So my last thought is always the music, and it's like as people are sitting down, I'm like throwing together a playlist and inevitably something goes wrong and like in the middle of the cl- climactic battle like oh Ricky you're so fine start playing <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you just go and with it you right? realize some of the some songs like that really work for like a combat you know <laughs> yeah as long as it's got a beat and you can dance to it it became a dance yeah. off <laughs> paper planes is great for uh, killing orcs <laughs> yeah nice oh. <laughs> I always wanted to have like a soundboard like you know create not just a playlist, as you were saying, but like have like you know a, a computer next to you that you could press a certain keystroke and be like, okay, this is my climactic music. This is my you know peaceful elven city music. This is my you know downtime shopping music. And have there's that. an app. I wish I could tell you the name, but one of my players in my my New York campaign before I left New York had it. Oh really? Yeah, he was almost like my audio engineer. You know, he would. He would queue up appropriate music, and then I could just, you know, worry about the NPCs in the game. Yeah, see, that's where, yeah, you're right. You, I think it would be best if you had someone else handling that aspect of it. Let's just hire Ryan to uh, be be the sound guy for all of our all of our games. Yeah, not, not even live games, just our games. Yeah, we'll just play in the office. We're talking, of course, about our our, our podcast engineer Ryan, who uh, uh, is is always there to lend a hand with our oral. Uh, intensity. Yeah, he's the creepy guy who's just listening this entire time. Just so you guys know. Yeah, I like to listen. You know what would be even more awesome? Would be like, like a live band Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. Like one of those like Renaissance Fair bands. That would be really interesting. You, you'd have like volume issues. <laughs> but Could like, you guys keep it down a little bit? Yeah. They would have to be like across a field or something. Or yeah. like or have the, the players mic'd strong enough so that it can overcome. Yeah, that would lend a whole. Yeah, we just did a. You, know, you were talking about the long sessions. We just did a forty-eight hour, nonstop D and D session for uh, charity for Extra Life. That's uh, awesome. Here at the Wizards' offices, and there was there was different players, you know, cycling in and out for basically the four hour sessions. But man, uh, it would be awesome to have that all strung together. Oh yeah, we we definitely used to do these like gamer weekends. You know, if we were all stuck in town for Thanksgiving, we'd do like Thanksgiving. 
there or something go. like that. And we would go to like my buddy's house in New Jersey. His and uh, you know we would just spend the weekend just playing Dungeons and Dragons. That's a good way to do it. So you uh, so you were in New York. Uh, you think you said two thousand eight, right? Yeah, oh wait, until just this year I moved to L.A. Nice. So what was your experience? Uh, you, you know, you've mentioned a few times gaming in New York, but did you ever go to any like public areas to game or was it mostly apartment gaming? You know, it's funny. I, I really, um, I, I am a big believer in recruiting the right people and having the right players mm. to, get, to really get the ultimate experience out of the game. So I haven't done a lot of um, like, you know, going to like cons and gaming. Um, right. that's just not something I've had a lot of experience with. Um, but you know, I have players who do it and, and who love it, you know, and they're used to that whole world cause they'll, they also do magic, the gathering at the same shops and right. stuff like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm open to it. I would love to try running a game at a con, you know, that would be really exciting for me to, yeah. to run for strangers. Yeah. You would try that. Cause I think that's where you would get a lot of those marathon sessions you were talking about because you know, there's people there who are, you know, basically trapped there all weekend long. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it'd be fun for me because I'm a performer. So I'm used to being in front of uh, in front of strangers. I just I think it would be kind of cool to be in front of like just six strangers, you know, and, and run a game. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. I don't, and I think knowing what I know about you just from this conversation that you would not love the the player aspect of it. Like, I don't think you would like to be a player in a, in a con game, but Running it, I think, is 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 something that it's worth a try. I, you know, until I, I get it, I gotta be honest. Until this uh, last D and D fifth uh, session, which I really loved being a player in that, um, just how the rules have changed a little bit, I found it a lot more engaging for me as a player. Whenever I've tried to be a player in any role playing game in the past, I'm such a jerk DM. I'm just like, <laughs> when is it my turn? Uh, you know. <laughs> Like, how long do I have to wait? I have acting I want to do. Uh, <laughs> and then and I'd rather be exhausted and spend more hours on it, but then like constantly, but be playing the whole time, you know, as the dungeon master. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, but and, then this last experience, I was like, no, this, it, the pacing of it is, is, is so different from some of the earlier editions. And I, I just felt engaged and had fun the whole time. So it was, it was really good. Oh, awesome, man. That's good to hear. Always good to hear. Um, and you also mentioned that you were uh, dabbling with some of the the pre-published adventures too. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. What on uh, on Drucker's uh, podcast? I, I talked about it. Well, definitely. We back in the day, we used all the pre-published adventures. Yeah. Um, uh, so you know, some of that some of that went down. Um, I haven't really dug into any of the, you know, with the fifth edition game we were playing, it was really my friend's own, you know, own world. Right. Uh, it was, uh, and he plays humans only because he's a big Game of Thrones fan. Mm. So there were no elves or halflings. But uh, yeah, I love, I love, you know, using pre pre-published sometimes. It's perfect for when people are like, can we do, can we do a game tonight? And I'm like, uh, uh, yeah, come on over. Right, right. Let's do it. It's it's there for convenience too, but I, I love it also just for for picking ideas out. You know, like there's stuff that that you read in those adventures that you aren't necessarily going to translate 100% into your homebrew game, but you can be like, oh, I can use that plot element, or I can use this NPC, or I can use this you know encounter design, and uh, and just you know use it to you know it's almost like 
if you're a creator of novels, you want to read as many novels as you can. If you're a creator of, of, of stand-up, you want to watch as much stand-up as you can. So it Definitely, I'd say, especially when you start as a DM, like in order to figure out what kind of an encounter works or does not work, because as someone who has tried to create my own a lot, you know, it, 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 you, there's a steep learning curve, and your players will walk over your encounter like it was nothing, right. and it'll be very anticlimactic, or they will <laughs> they'll be a TPK in the first <laughs> session, you know, which you don't quite want, I don't think. So, Usually. Uh, and then just finding like just unique things to do with the format and, and ways to surprise. Really, it's about surprising the players, especially people who have played a lot. And uh, yeah, yeah, written adventures, usually the, the writers have, have played so much that they have they figured out ways to surprise each other. So that's that's super important. That's true. But when you're learning, you have to just kind of follow along in the tropes. Like that's not there's nothing to be, you know, afraid of doing that because to some extent, oh. players want the tropes. They want to be the, you know, to have the heroic uh, finishes and the killing, the slaying of the dragons and, and, and all that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, you really can't do it. That, you know, that's one thing that I learned. I might have mentioned this on, on Mike's uh, Mike Drucker's podcast as well. One thing I learned was, you know, I, when I first started, I really worried a lot and I actually stressed a little bit over hmm. getting all the rules right and getting every single... Um, making every encounter like really engaging and yeah. and uh, making sure that it wasn't, you know, a whiff on either side. And, um, and then, you know, I worried that my players would not have fun. And really, they had fun no matter what. Even when something completely blew up in my face or I forgot a major rule or I forgot an entire NPC and there was a huge plot hole, they didn't care. <laughs> yeah. That's something I tell new people. DMs especially, uh, but players too. Like, it, there's a lot of performance anxiety that people have when they play it, and and you're right. Like, it's it's so much free, so freeing, and so relaxing when you're just like, all right, I'm just gonna go with it. And that's actually the mistakes and the and the things that you know you may not do 100% correctly is what makes it fun and funny. Yes, and and there's been great plot twists that came out of me trying to justify a discrepancy or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And the human mind, the people playing it, want to build a story in their head. Yeah. So even if you forget that, you know, what you thought was a vitally important plot piece or whatever, it doesn't matter because their their minds are going to take, you know, just look at the amount of conspiracy theories out there. You know what I mean? Like people want to oh, yeah. create a story from random events all the time. It's always the best thing for me when, like, I've done some stuff and I've done lots of things, a long-running campaign, and then someone at the table was like, oh, there's this thing and all this stuff, and I bet this all has to do together. It's it all it's big, this big thing. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I go write it all down because I didn't have any of that, like, as a link thing. Yeah. Like, That's exactly, yes. That is a huge plot point that you've just discovered. How'd you guys figure that out? <laughs> <laughs> you weren't supposed to know that for, like, three or four sessions. It is super satisfying when you actually plan that and that happens, but it's also just as satisfying for me when they like stumble yeah. upon something. I'm like, that's a really cool idea. We're going to do that. Oh yeah, let them let them write it for you as much as uh, you can because they love that, and then you're surprised. You know, mm -hmm. you, you you kind of gain back some of the the fun that the players have if you're the DM by like suddenly going, oh, that's what this is going to be. Cool. So did Jared, I mean, now that we're talking about improvising and basically saying yes and, uh, did you do any <laughs> any improv comedy? I did a little bit. You know, I, I started comedy in Chicago mm -hmm. 
So Which has I a huge took, improv scene there. Yeah, enormous. Yeah, Second City is there mm-hmm. and I.O. and a lot of the big improv schools. And uh, yeah, I took some of those classes. Um, and then in my stand-up act, and I've always mostly focused on stand-up comedy. Um, in my stand-up act, I, I did a lot of crowd interaction. And you have to be very good at improvising and yes-anding yeah. in order to do that and in order to make that funny. So um, so yeah, I love improvisation. And, and I really like to run a pretty loose game. I mean... <laughs> I have an idea of generally where it's going, but mostly I have a, a bunch of monster stats and a, yeah, a kind of a general concept for the adventure, and that's and then we then we just go. Do you find that the two disciplines of of, of stand up comedy and 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 dungeon mastering are you know if there's a Venn diagram there? Absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah. Again, it's like pacing. It's like. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's such a huge thing in games. I think that sometimes with the games, we forget that that you are telling a story, you are presenting a, uh, a sh- you're putting on a show a little bit if you're the dungeon master, right? And to just know when to stop and you know kind of nitpick or or really get absorbed in a in a, in a detail and when to go, okay, well we'll deal with it in a little bit and just move on to the next important thing, move on to the next scene with the, with it, you know, give another player the spotlight for a minute. Um, that's super important, I think. Yeah, me too. And I think that's that's the kind of stuff that you develop over time. Like that's not, you're not going to be able to jump right into doing that on your first session, dungeon mastering, but like the more experience you have, you'll get that sense of the table, you yeah. know? It's also I the- just try to jump around a lot. Like, I, you know, Especially with new players, sometimes they'll kind of hang back a little bit, and that's fine. But I just try to go, okay, what would he do now? And you know, the person that's been kind of like not saying anything, yeah. I, I'm drawn to that person. Like that, my entertainer instinct goes, wait, let's make sure this guy's having fun. <laughs> Did you do that in the crowd too? When you're like, that guy's not laughing at my jokes. Let me go Are directly you to him. <laughs> I'm notorious. Yeah, I go if someone's <laughs> sitting there with their arms crossed, I'm going to make fun of them. <laughs> Nice. It's a little different from being like, what would you like to do or how can I make you have more fun like I am as a DM? But like, uh, yeah, as a comedian, I'll, uh, I'm like, what can I do to make you laugh? Why are you sitting there with your arms crossed? Nice. Don't bring that energy at me. <laughs> Did you ever see uh, Jessica Kirsten do that? Uh, at I've the- seen Jessica. She's super funny. Yeah. yeah. She was she was the best, I thought, at that at, uh, at Gotham Comedy Club, man. She would, she would have me. I saw her, you know, her do her same set countless times 15 20 times but it always cracked me up because she always had those you know direct things to the audience that that's great yeah i try to you know what i try to know i you know as a very nerdy person i'm drawn to you know i like to read and i try to know enough that if i can get a specific out of someone about where they're from or what they do like something very specific then I can I I have just enough knowledge to talk about it. Sometimes it's funny how ignorant I am about it, right. but uh, that's okay too. You know we you know we can have some kind of because you know what's funny and uh, entertaining in any kind of like presentation or show is you got to get specific. You can't make the same joke a hundred other people would make about the fact that the guy's bald. You know, right? You have to talk about the fact that he uh i don't know he's from tasmania and have something to say about that you know yeah. it was it was always part of the of 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 doing stand up that i never never grasped i was always much more of a the writer person and would like you know craft all my jokes and never got into that 
being able to improvise off of. But now I feel like with my dungeon mastering skills, I might be able to do it. Yeah, gotta, gotta get back up there yeah. to your stand-up. Of course, and then I'll do some, I'll roll some well, D20s. There's so many different approaches, and they're all they're all valid. You know, I don't think that, you know, uh, a crowd interaction or improvising is the only way to do stand-up or the only way to do dungeon mastering. I've had awesome dungeon masters who were like, around this corner, these are the exact things that are there. And it is a reality that does not change. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it was great, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I guess that's true. And, and you know, you mentioned about pulling in the right people to be players in your group. Um, and probably you're, you're, you're maybe unconscious about this, but you're self-selecting people who are going to fit with your style of DMing. Absolutely. And uh, it can it can it can backfire if you're like okay I really like this person he's really into D and D or she's really into D and D but for whatever reason you know they were more into uh, a different genre you know a different subgenre of fantasy whereas I'm really like this you know like the, your guy who's saying was you know wanted a, a humans only well what if I really want to play an elf and I really just like playing elf characters yeah you're just not gonna jive you're an elf in a human's body do oh, I love elves I do like of elves too. People tease tease me about loving elves, but I just like all the I like high elves. I like all the uh, I don't know what I want to say the baroqueness mm-hmm. of it, <laughs> the sadness that they're all going to die. Or, you know, oh yes, but they've the, got so the, much power. It's, yeah, the it's deep nice. melancholy. <laughs> See, there's something just inherently funny about that for me. I don't know why. <laughs> it is, you know, it can be funny and kind of. Um, you know, you can you can see the ironic side of it while also just appreciating it. You know, absolutely. All right, man. Well, it's been really good talking to you. Uh, I, can't, I I say this every every time, but I could really just talk about D and D forever <laughs> with it, people. Well, let's let's yeah, let's talk about it some more sometime. I I, uh, I really enjoyed talking to you guys. Absolutely. And yeah. You're gonna, actually going to be in Seattle soon, right? That's right. On the sixth, yeah, of of November. November. What uh, what what is the venue you're doing your show at? It's the Triple Door. Um, oh yeah, it's an eight o'clock show. Um, please uh, come out. I'm gonna have another hilarious comic, Brian Cook, on there with me. And if I know some uh, Dungeons and Dragons fans are coming, I'll make sure I do that material. Nice. Well, I uh, yeah, this podcast should definitely go up before then. So we'll let everybody know. Uh, head to the Triple Door on November sixth at eight o'clock. That sounds fun, dude. It's an awesome venue. So got an awesome comedian. Oh, awesome nice? venue. Good time. I'm excited. I love Seattle. Me too, man. This I've just moved here, so it's I'm still learning all the all the ins and the outs of it. It's a great. We're city. fans. We're fans. We, we like it here. Nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, cool. Thanks, Jared. And uh, yeah, Thanks, we'll definitely guys. have you on soon. Thank you. Take it easy. Later. That was super fun. That was super fun. Yeah. I mean, I I always feel like when we have someone who's basically a comedian on that it's like, okay, I'm just gonna sit here and listen. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna right. say a few things every once in a while and be like, okay, that's funny. The that best, was entertaining. The best part about it is that he's not even like really telling jokes. It's no. just it's just his delivery and and his, you know, confidence in what he's talking about. It was yeah. very, very cool. I always love every time we get people on talking about DMing. We we generally again, it's it's not like we're trying to like get a specific kind of DM on anything, but we generally all have like the same kinds of ideas of like, we you know, little players you know, run with the story from time to time and all this other stuff. Not that you always have to. You can be you can be a kind of guy's like, here's the story. It's gonna be on rails. That's that is fine sometimes too, right? Yeah. But especially for um, con games and stuff that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it's 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 always great to hear like, oh look, we all kind of agree that this is this is what makes it fun, or we care more about the fun and less about this kind of other stuff. Or like group storytelling is cool and all these things. So. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's uh, one cool thing about uh, doing this podcast. You know, week after week, is you're getting to hear the different folk who 
pay you know pay attention to the kind of same things that we pay attention to when we're talking about these games you know mm -hmm. and then as consumers and, and people who are doing their own entertainment stuff too that everybody's talking about it and thinking about it in the in the same terms uh, yeah. it's it's really enlightening and i hope people think about this the, the all the recordings of this podcast is like a living history of 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 how dungeon mastering works yeah yeah and there's definitely not like one way to do it right which i think you also get from the podcast and all the other stuff we do it's just there's a lot of little things that come up you know like letting your players run with things giving them a little bit of, of headway for stuff you know all, all these things that come up that are cool tools to use right. from time to time for your game but and, you can do it any number of ways yeah 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 for sure very cool. I'm actually Are, looking forward to, to, to your game, which I might be in tomorrow, because I have to suddenly... That's right. I'm going to grab one of the NPCs and play with it, I think. That's what I was thinking. So I'm going to do, like, one of them has got... Give me a really quirky one, and <laughs> I will just play up the, that quirk a crap ton. Nice. You might be good with Stool, the uh, 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 little brother, Mike Ned. Yes. yes, I was watching him uh, last time we were streaming, and, and yes, I'm intrigued. Yes. <laughs> He's so nice. He's so He's cute. so sweet. Yeah. How could, how could you not be... I want to, like, hug everybody. Yeah, exactly. Just, like, rub up against them like you're a little puppy dog. So you've got... Uh, because uh, who's out? Oh, Demetrios, Demetrios is out. out, which is sad. Yeah, so he, he had a lot of personality. He does. He's like, I don't want to play his character. It's too much personality. <laughs> but it's then, it would be a good idea to do the, the NPC. I think that's a great idea. I'm just going to hug Adam. Is Adam one of your players? Adam is there, yeah, too. Yeah, I'm just going to like hug Adam the entire time. Aw, <laughs> sweet. And you'll just shoot out your rapport spores. Rapport spores. Spores. Yeah, spores. Was that actually in the adventure where they called rapport spores? Yeah, nice. yeah that's, that's what they do. Uh, all right, well, great. That was... Thanks for listening, you guys. Uh, I am Greg Tito, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Greg Tito. Yes, I am Trevor Kidd. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Trevor underscore Watsy. And then, of course, there's our main Twitter account for D&D, which is Wizards underscore D&D. And again, we mentioned this at the top, but please go ahead and uh, give us a review or a rating on iTunes. Uh, that would just help us uh, know more about what's going on with the podcast, whether you guys want more stuff to talk about this or different topics. You know, if you want to talk about monsters or how to role play, that kind of thing. We're, we're really thinking about new ways to, to bring this podcast uh, out to new and different ways. Uh, and as well, if you hear of any... Uh, celebrities or, or people in your community that you think would be really interesting to talk to, by all means, uh, look us up on Twitter and let us know. I think that'd be awesome. Definitely. Cool. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon.